Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. I am your host. Each and every week, my name is Jared St. Clair, and it's good to be with you again on another episode of Vitality Radio. Vitality Radio is so much fun. I love doing this show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for coming in and visiting us at Vitality Nutrition. Once you have listened, I met uh, at least five or six new people this week that uh, I did not know uh, previously that I find out have been listening to the show. And every time I get to do that, it is an absolute honor. So thank you so much for supporting the show, supporting the podcast by sharing it with your friends and family, and of course, supporting my local family-owned retail health food store, Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful at 107 South. 500 West. You can call us if you have any questions about anything you hear on Vitality Radio at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Now, Vitality Radio is usually quite a uh, combination of research and kind of wrangling around in my mind for what I think needs to be heard out there, whether it be things that can help you from a supplemental standpoint or a lifestyle standpoint, things you ought to get out of your house or bring into your house, things you ought to get out of your body or bring into your body, that kind of thing. I often rant about different things. There are all kinds of different aspects of what I try to do on Vitality Radio. Now we're at like episode 102 six or seven of the podcast. We're 13 years into the show, and there seems to never be an end of things that I could potentially talk about. But one thing I've never done before on Vitality Radio, and I hope that this is actually <laughs> I hope this is actually true. There's a guy named Alan, you know who you are, that listens to my show on a regular basis and has since the very beginning. Maybe he can tell you if I've ever done this. But I'm going to talk about my top 10 herbs. My top 10 herbs, some of these are herbs that grow in your yard or at least potentially grow in your yard. Some of them are herbs that grow over in India. Uh, Some are herbs that are native to places like Japan. But regardless of what they are, they are in my top 10 because I think they have probably the most wide range of potential uses. And I just want you to be aware of them if you aren't already. Now, I will guess that The average person out there listening has probably heard of more than half of these 10. Maybe they've heard of eight or nine of them. And some people that are a little less aware may have only heard of two or three. But what I'm hoping to do today is to share with you some of the special things you need to know about them and the power that they could potentially have in your life. Now, I look at herbs like a lot of people look at pharmaceuticals. And by that, I mean, uh, well, let's say maybe even more over-the-counter pharmaceuticals. And by that, I mean that we 
usually take over-the-counter pharmaceuticals for a specific condition that we're dealing with right now, a set of symptoms. Maybe we're taking a, a cold remedy because we have a runny nose and a sore throat, or maybe we're taking uh, an anti-diarrheal because we're dealing with diarrhea, or maybe we're taking a stool softener because we're dealing with constipation, or maybe we're taking something for heartburn like a Tums or a Rolaids or whatever. And what I have set out to do from the very start with Vitality Radio is to try to provide for you legitimate information about things that can be done outside of those pharmacy aisles at your grocery store or your local pharmacy, things that can be done to help you actually get on top of those symptoms, but in many cases, get to the root cause of those symptoms so you don't have to worry about the symptoms anymore. And herbs, while they don't necessarily have a place in your body as a required nutrient, like a vitamin or an amino acid or something like that might have, herbs absolutely have some phenomenal features in terms of providing deep nourishment to the body at the cellular level, but also actual symptom relief of all kinds of different things. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about today can potentially replace some of the things that you might normally reach out for on a pharmacy aisle. And I hope that this information helps you figure out what things may be beneficial to you. Now, most of these are herbs that I don't necessarily recommend on a daily basis for everyone. Some of them make a lot of sense on a daily basis, and I'll try and expand on that as we get into the individual herbs. But many of these herbs are herbs that I just use occasionally when it makes sense based on what my body's doing at the time. So I'm going to go into all that. I'm going to go into some uh, basic detail, but because we're talking about 10 herbs and I have less than an hour to talk about them, uh, there won't be deep detail. When you need more answers, please give us a call at Vitality and we'll be happy to provide those for you. 801-292-6662. Now, last week I promised you something and I did not forget. I did a rant-free episode last week, a rant-free episode. And that is a fairly unusual event. And what I did instead of a rant was introduce a bit of a challenge now, I don't know if you took me up on that challenge, but I had many friends who did take me up on the challenge, and it was interesting. Now, I have not polled my friends exactly. I will do that because I'm very curious, but I have certainly extensively asked myself questions about how I did in the challenge, and the challenge was, as you may recall, to not complain about anything for seven days. Now, I don't know if that sounds easy to you or hard to you. To me, it sounded challenging, but not insurmountable. To other people that I presented it to, they were like, I don't think I can do that. And it was kind of interesting to hear different people's perspective. Now, I think to a large degree, it had to do with awareness. How aware are you of how often you might actually complain about stuff? Now, it's interesting because some of the complaints that I caught myself in the act were pretty mundane things, you know, somebody in traffic, uh, something I saw on a billboard, you know, whatever, that sort of thing. But what is interesting about it is that I, as I was hearing during the first couple of days when people were a little more interactive, kind of texting me back and forth and telling me how things were going, is that a lot of us recognize that we complain more than we think we do. One of the biggest motivators for me to do this was exactly that. I wanted to become aware of how often I actually complain. I am happy to report that I don't think I complain a lot. I do complain probably more than I should, though. 
And is it wrong to complain if you see something that's out of place or wrong? Is it wrong for me to rant? I routinely have people tell me that that's their favorite thing that I do. So maybe they complain along with me. I don't know what it is. But no, I don't think it's wrong at all. In fact, I try not to even use the words right and wrong as much as I used to because your version of right and my version of right are all about perception. And the same can be said about wrong. So I would pose the idea to you that maybe it's not right or wrong to complain. It just is. And it has a lot more to do with what you're complaining about and what you intend to do about it. Now, some of the things that we could potentially complain about, we don't have much say in. We don't have a lot of control of our external world, politics and money and even our children and our spouses. There are We have influence in a lot of places, but do we have much control? Well, no, not a ton. And therefore, if we complain about stuff that we have no control over, then perhaps we are spinning our wheels, not doing anybody any good other than just throwing more kind of negativity out there. On the flip side, if we're complaining in a way that is potentially constructive, that can help people be more aware of what's going on out there and potentially then fight against it, or if I'm complaining on, like I do in many of my rants, about maybe chemicals that are in our, our society, I guess you could say, in our world that have been banned in some places but are still in use here, that we're feeding to our kids, maybe that's just about awareness to help people understand that they can do better. So the awareness factor of this complaint fast was a big deal for me. It was recognizing that, yes, there is a time and a place to, quote unquote, complain, but when we're doing those complaints, and for me personally, and this is, I think it's going to be different for everybody, when we are throwing those complaints out there, the question I'm asking myself now is, why? Why am I complaining? Is it worth my time? Is it worth my energy to complain about this? Am I going to make a difference with this complaint, or am I just complaining? Now, let me tell you how my fast went. The first day was, wow, 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 absolutely amazing. I loved it because I was so aware of what was going on in my head before it touched my tongue and went out through my lips that it was it was beautiful. I don't know how else to describe it. I really, really enjoyed being that aware of what I was saying. That was the first part. At the end of the day, I had one complaint that escaped my lips that I noticed anyway, and two or three or four at least, I probably I, I didn't track them, maybe four or five, I don't know, but a, a few that came into my mind that I just didn't do anything about. And you may recall, if you heard the episode last week about the complaint fast, that what I determined I should do is if I was going to complain... I would reroute that complaint into a gratitude, and that's what I did. So those four or five things, whatever it was, maybe it was even more, every time that that thing popped up, because one of them popped up five or six times, the same basic complaint, every time it popped up, I rerouted it and found something associated with that that I could not complain about but be grateful for. And at the end of the night, I did something I call my, my evening celebration. 
At the end of the night, I laid in bed and I looked up at the nothingness. It was dark in my room. And I just started thinking about the things that I had done that day to improve my situation, improve something in the world, help somebody else. Anything that I had done, that I had physically done, that I could be grateful to myself for. Because what I have found by doing that is that it's not a pride thing or or an ego thing. It's an awareness thing that, hey, I have an impact in this world, or at least I have the capacity to make one. And as someone who has a capacity to make one, if I recognize that I am making an impact, am, am I making a positive impact? Am I making the kind of positive impact that would potentially improve the life of someone around me? or multiple people around me, or improve my own position in life, all of which are valuable things. And what was crazy is I've done a lot of these evening celebrations. I've been doing them for a long time now. But I'd never done one that was so full of just awesome things to be grateful for. And what I recognized is that my gratitudes for myself, my self-worth, the value I put on who I am, grew, the less I complained. The value of who I am to me in my own eyes improved, the less I complained. Now, I did it for a week, sort of, (laughs) because day two was harder than day one. And day three was more challenging than day two. And by day seven, I almost forgot I was doing it. I slipped back into kind of just how I'd been doing things. And day seven was yesterday or two days ago. Sorry. Yeah, no, it was yesterday. Day seven was yesterday. And when I sat down to work on the show today, I realized, oh, that was the last day of my complaint fast. Well, if I didn't even realize it was the last day, you can imagine how much focus I was putting on it. So that brought another level of awareness to me. If I had such a great experience day one, then why wasn't day two just as amazing? Well, I can tell you day two was a challenging day. Some stuff happened that threw me off a little bit emotionally. It was, I was just out of balance. And as I was, rather than doing what I probably, well, I'll put it this way, what I wish I had done in retrospect, which is to just move ahead with my complaint fast and find more things to be grateful for to change my view of what was going on in my environment. Instead, I succumbed and I got kind of down and kind of mopey. And I don't even know if I complained a whole, I don't think I did because I was still paying attention pretty closely at that point, but I didn't have that level of gratitude in my heart the next day that night or the night after that. And it just waned as the week went on. So I became aware of a new thing. And that is that I get to decide how great my day is to a large degree. That had I been gung-ho and pumped and ready to go again with another day of no complaining and put that as my focus, I probably would have had a much, much better day than had I gone kind of mopey. Now, it's an interesting thing because I'm not a mopey person by nature. I think some people kind of have that Eeyore gene and some people don't. I don't think I do. In fact, most people would tell you that I'm generally up. 
And that's great. I'm grateful for that. I don't know why it is that way. I, I have some theories, but I do know that when I do get that way, it is a noticeable thing because it's such a big shift for me. And as I've been looking back on it, I have been very grateful for this newfound awareness so that I can dig in deep and get curious about why I chose to wallow. I don't think wallowing does any of us any good. It certainly doesn't solve any problems. And generally speaking, it just takes our focus and puts it squarely on what we can't have and what we don't want instead of what we can have, what we do have, and what we do want. So I am going back to square one, and I would love for you to join me. I'm going to do another seven days of no complaining. This time, I'm going to make it a focus of all seven days. That is the goal. Now, keep in mind that when we try to do something different, when we try to do something different that is good for us, and you've all been there, exercise, diet, a complaint fast, journaling, uh, fasting for detoxification, whatever it is, when we try to do something new that is different and that is challenging, and yet we know it's good for us. We got motivated for a reason. When we try to do that, we are almost always met with resistance. And the resistance can come in all kinds of different forms. In my case, this week, the resistance just came in what most people would just call a bad day. Well, who says it's bad? Who says it has to be bad? I think I just chose to let it be bad. That's how I see it. And that's what I did. And lo and behold, that's what it was. So when we find the resistance, perhaps a reframe of what that actually means is in order. And what I'm reframing it as now for myself is resistance to something that I want is normal and it is natural it is my own subconscious mind fighting against something new that is not in my normal way of doing things, that is not habitual for me yet. And that's all it is. It's just resistance. And just like resistance training builds your muscles stronger, resistance in the brain, fighting through it, builds your brain stronger. It reroutes those things that we want to reroute and gets us to a better place of where we truly want to be. All right, so that's that for today. A new challenge, the Complaint Fast Part 2, seven more days of not complaining. I would love for you to do it with me and be aware and find out what it can do for you because I believe it can help you. I believe it can help anybody. And uh, <laughs> beware, beware, beware. I'll probably be coming up with more of these types of challenges in the future because kind of having a lot of fun digging into my brain and figuring out what's going on in there. Okay, so it is going to be time next for me to talk about the top 10 herbs. I do need to take a quick break. When I return, I'm going to go through the top 10 herbs, their history, what they do, how you can potentially use them in your life to help you with some of the things that you may be dealing with. That's the primary topic for the day and what I'll talk about for the rest of the time. I'll be back in just a minute. My name's Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio.
After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blog or online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns, naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662, that's 801-292-6662, or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com, that's info at vitalityradiopod.com. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. My name is Jared St. Clair. It's good to be with you on another episode of the Vitality Radio podcast and the Vitality Radio episode here on local radio in Salt Lake City. If you have not found the podcast yet and more and more people are finding it all the time and I'm so excited for the momentum that I see, please find it. Subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox, you name it, Overcast. There's a whole bunch of them. Stitcher, I think I said, is is one of my favorites. But any of those places, I'm there. It's called Vitality Radio with Jared St. Clair, and I'd love for you to subscribe, and I would love, love, love for you to share it with your friends and family members. I find that what I do here is helpful to most of the people that, well, let me put it this way. That sounds really self-serving, doesn't it? What I hear, the feedback I get is that the information I provide is helpful, and if it's helpful to you, it probably is helpful to somebody else. And I'd love to help as many people as I can with this information on Vitality Radio. If you have questions about anything that you hear on Vitality Radio, call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662 at Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful. Okay, the top 10 herbs, and I've got, what, 40 minutes, not quite, to get to them. So we're going to do the best we can I may have to do this as another one of those two-parters, but we'll see what happens. Let's start with ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is an Ayurvedic herb. That means it's from traditional Indian medicine in India, uh, not Native American medicine, but in India. And ashwagandha is one of kind of the big three, I guess you could say, that are talked about so often in, in Ayurvedic herbalism. Ashwagandha, holy basil, and turmeric would be some of the biggest ones over there, but there are quite a few, and Ayurvedic medicine is beautiful and deep and awesome. Ashwagandha is at the top of the list, not because it starts with an A, but because it's probably the one of all of these. Uh, okay, it's one of two of all of these 10 that I use the most myself and have had excellent success with and have found that people respond to very, very beautifully. First off, you need to know that some herbs are what are called adaptogens. 
An adaptogenic herb is an herb that basically adapts to what the body's needs are at that time. If there's a need for more energy, it'll tend to assist in that way. If there's a need for balancing stress response, it tends to serve you that way. Ayurvedic herbs are beautiful like that. They're very intelligent. And ashwagandha is one of my absolute favorites. So what does it do? Well, one of the things that we know clinically that it does, a very specific form of ashwagandha anyway, known as sensorial ashwagandha, which is the most highly researched of the ashwagandhas out there, that form of ashwagandha has a high percentage of something called withanolides. And withanolides have been shown to reduce cortisol. Now, you may know cortisol is the fight or flight hormone. It's one of those neurotransmitters that really gets kicked up high when we are in a state of of significant stress. One of the biggest challenges in the world today is that this stress thing doesn't tend to go away very easily, let's say. We go to sleep stressed out, we wake up the next day and stress is there on our plate again. And it's not quite like it was back in the day uh, when our stress was more about just simply taking care of our family, feeding our family, uh, farming the land, hunting, and those types of things. Now we get to deal with the stress of Instagram and Facebook and politics in Washington, D.C., and here in Salt Lake City, Utah, the crazy politics here, and so many other things that we just didn't have a a whole bunch of 100 years ago. And therefore, that stress thing sort of gets kicked on and sometimes doesn't kick off very easily. So ashwagandha is, is powerful because it helps to reduce and balance some of that stress response and make you feel less frazzled and more in control. That's one of the things it does. But get this, another thing that it does, and there's another form of ashwagandha called KSM-66. And all these are, they're the same herb. They're just different types of extracts that companies have, have figured out. That form has been shown to boost testosterone uh, in a in a very effective way for uh, men who are experiencing low testosterone. And so that's a nice one-two punch. To say that it is great for testosterone, though, would then tend to have a lot of women, I think, excluding themselves from the use. But keep in mind that a lot of women, particularly women over 40, actually could use a little bit of testosterone boost. Many women are under are a little low in testosterone at that point in their lives. And the other thing is that it won't take your testosterone into an unhealthy level. If testosterone is where it ought to be, ashwagandha is not going to impact that. That's one of the beauties of adaptogens. They just don't do that. They don't take us too far. They're not stimulants. They're balancing herbs. I love ashwagandha. So my favorite form for most people is the sensorial form of ashwagandha. Sensorial has the highest level of of withanolides. But if you are specifically looking for ashwagandha for the purposes of testosterone, I would probably recommend the KSM-66. And if you have questions, of course, about either of those, you just call us over at Vitality. Number two, turmeric. Turmeric is the other one I use and, and on the most regular basis, and in this case, every single day. Now, do you need to use turmeric every single day? You absolutely do not need to use turmeric every single day. In fact, there's not a single thing on this list that you have to use every single day or that you need to use every single day. But I will say this, 85% of disease in America is inflammatory disease, and most of these are silent inflammation. 
These are things like heart disease and diabetes and cancer and Alzheimer's and dementia and Parkinson's disease and autoimmune disease. And uh, the list goes on and on and on. Inflammation, which we typically think of as pain, isn't always causing a pain response, but it is always causing issues within the body. Chronic inflammation is one of the biggest issues that we deal with. So turmeric, as the, I think, based on everything I've read and seen, the absolute king of anti-inflammatory herbs becomes very, very important when you consider that also one of the biggest things we use with ashwagandha for, the stress-fighting response, Stress is one of the most powerful inflammatory agents in our lives. So if you're under a lot of stress, odds are you're dealing with excess inflammation. If you're eating a lot of processed foods, particularly sugar, odds are you're dealing with a lot of inflammation. And of course, if you have any of those ailments that I discussed, or if you are dealing with chronic pain, then absolutely you're dealing with inflammation. So turmeric is an interesting herb. I've talked about it a lot and I won't go into great detail on it here, but just to say that all turmeric is not alike. Turmeric itself is a resinous root, almost plasticky. Think of a ginger root, which you may have actually used in cooking or things like that. Turmeric is kind of similar to that. The challenge with turmeric is that the curcuminoids, which are considered to be the most active constituent of the root itself, tend to get trapped in that resinous uh, fiber. And if you just, you know, if you cook with turmeric, like you're making a curry or something like that, awesome. It's great because the cooking itself actually releases a lot of those curcuminoids, which is great. But the concentration of curcuminoids and the availability of the curcuminoids in the gut is not very high. You need to consume a lot of turmeric as a food to have the powerful anti-inflammatory benefits. Is there anything wrong with consuming a lot of turmeric? Absolutely not. Consume, consume, consume. I use it. I add it to my smoothie on a regular basis. I do uh, use it in cooking and I absolutely love Indian food. All of these are great ways to get turmeric. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But if you are looking for a specific anti-inflammatory response that is a little bit more reliable, then you typically want to use it as a supplement. And the supplement form that is the most effective based on all the research that's been done is simply something called BCM95. Now, Terry Naturally is a company that I absolutely love. They're one of the great uh, herb companies, uh, supplement companies in this country because they are still an independent company owned by a guy who really has a passion for what this is. His name's Terry Limerond. I've had him on Vitality Radio before, and I hope to have him on again. In fact, if you're looking for another radio show or podcast to listen to, Google Terry Talks Nutrition. It's T-E-R-R-Y Talks Nutrition, and you'll learn a lot from this guy. It's great stuff. The thing that's interesting about it, he has he has, has worked out an exclusive with his company in India who makes BCM95, and BCM95 is made in such a way that you get all of the constituents of the plant that you want, not just the curcuminoids, but also something known as turmerones. And turmerones are a very underappreciated but very valuable part of the plant that is not found, are not found in almost any other turmeric supplement. And that's important to understand. So the Terry Naturally Cura Med, that's C-U-R-A-M-E-D, is the form that he, uh, that's the brand name that they have given it, is the absolute best of all the turmeric out there, in my opinion, hands down. So if you're looking for that consistent anti-inflammatory benefit, you're not going to do better, but absolutely throw it in your food. 
It's a big deal there too. And it all helps. I love turmeric. And like I say, use it every single day. Boswellia. Now, Boswellia is an interesting one because it's not, uh, it's it's sort of an adjunct to turmeric in my view. It's also very anti-inflammatory, but it's a really interesting root. It's also a resinous root, but unlike turmeric, the resin is actually where all the good stuff is. And it's really interesting stuff. It's also uh, mostly used in Ayurvedic medicine in India. But what is crazy is they actually use a, a very hands-on harvesting approach with Boswellia. What they found is that when the bark of the tree is scraped, it actually secretes a resin called tears. This resin is better known as something that you have heard of before, frankincense. Now, isn't that interesting? The resin in Boswellia is known as frankincense, and it, it almost bleeds out of the of when they scrape the bark like tears. But why is Boswellia so good as an anti-inflammatory when I just told you how great turmeric is? Well, what's interesting is turmeric seems to work primarily on what are known as the COX enzymes, COX-1, COX-2. These are the ones that we typically are attacking if we're taking something like ibuprofen. Boswellia works on something called 5-LOX. Now, 5-LOX is interesting because its highest concentrations in terms of inflammatory response are found in the respiratory system. So people that deal with asthma, COPD, anybody that would be on an oxygen machine for any reason, certainly the respiratory ailments of just generally, you know, common cold, COVID, those types of things where breathing can become labored. Boswellia helps to reduce that type of inflammation specifically. But the other type of inflammation that is really interesting with Boswellia is that it actually helps to reduce the inflammation that happens in the bowel. Now, last week on Vitality Radio, I talked about IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. And I mentioned some of the other things like Crohn's and ulcerative colitis and things like that that can be more significant issues that people deal with. But Boswellia is interesting because it works on that type of inflammation actually better than turmeric does. So if you're dealing with inflammation in the bowel, which IBS generally is creating, or if you have an inflammatory bowel disease, Boswellia is absolutely amazing for that. Or if you have any kind of respiratory ailments, really, really great for that too. It can be a one-two punch for pain, such as arthritis and things like that, especially I've found back pain. Boswellia seems to work better on back pain for a lot of people than turmeric does or in conjunction with turmeric or in conjunction with CBD. So in, in a blend of different things, because it does attack a different type of pain enzyme, Boswellia can be really great. And you want a Boswellia that has a high what's called AKBA, ACBA. Uh, in there. The AKBA is also known as acetyl-11-keto-B boswellic acid, which is why they call it ACBA. But ACBA is the, it's it's like the curcuminoids and the uh, withanolides that I talked about with ashwagandha and turmeric. It It's the compound that seems to make the biggest difference. And so you want a high ACBA boswellia. And my favorite one, again, is one that comes from Terry Natural. It's called Bosmed, B-O-S-M-E-D. And so for any of those things, absolutely love uh, boswellia. All right. Now, how about some that are a little more traditional to the good old U.S. of A.? One that you may have in your yard here in the next month or two, that is called dandelion. Now, we spray dandelion with toxic chemicals. We yank them out. Some kids, uh, mine in included, use those 
dandelions where the flower is turned into the, the seed, basically, and they blow on them for a wish and because it looks cool. And yet, do we ever think about dandelion as being one of the most nutritive foods in the world? I'm guessing most people do not. It is loaded with the key electrolytes such as potassium, calcium, and magnesium in forms that your body can digest and assimilate really, really efficiently. And it is one of the most powerful yet gentle detoxification aids for the liver, the lymph system, and the kidneys. Dandelion is fantastic. And what's interesting, too, is the dandelion flower, the dandelion stem, the dandelion root. They all have a little bit different uh, capacity and benefits, and they all are really, really good for you. The dandelion leaves themselves can be used as dandelion greens in salad. They can be added to smoothies. Think of them as a bitter. They are a bitter. They're even probably a little more bitter than kale. So you have to keep that in mind. If you're going to put it in your salad, you may want to put it in as just a portion. Um, an entire salad of dandelion greens would be incredibly good for you, but probably not super delicious. But throwing them in with some kale and some lettuce is a great way to go. Uh, you can also add them to soups. You can make them into a tea. You can get dandelion as a tea. You can get dandelion in capsule form. I don't really care how you use it, but I will say that if it's growing in your yard and you have not sprayed it, collect it and use it. It is really really good for you. I absolutely love dandelion. I use dandelion on a pretty regular basis because I'm always trying to get my liver and kidneys cleaned out. So it's always part of one of my liver uh, cleansing regimens that I do every few months or so. I uh, use it in a product called SP13 that's a, a liver cleanse from Solaray, another one that is great by Ridgecrest Herbals uh, called Liver Clean. Uh, that was my dad's old company. It's also found in a product called Kidney Aid uh, made by the same company. If you're dealing with some kidney things, dandelion is fantastic. Absolutely a huge fan of it. The next one would be ginseng. Now, ginseng is one that most people have heard of. And it gets a lot of, there's a lot of confusion about ginseng. A lot of people think that it's actually a form of caffeine. That is not true. You generally, most people think that it's something you would take for energy. That is absolutely true. That's what most people use it for. But it doesn't work on energy as a caffeine source. It works on energy because it is another one of the adaptogens. Remember I mentioned ashwagandha is an adaptogenic herb. Well, so is ginseng. But ginseng tends to have more of a kick when it comes to energy. When you're low in energy, Ginseng can be a very, very powerful energizer. Now, there are a variety of different ginsengs. There's American ginseng, Chinese ginseng, Korean ginseng, and also a form of ginseng called Siberian ginseng, which is actually also now known as Eleuthero. Eleuthero is not technically ginseng, and so I'm not going to include that in this conversation, but Eleuthero is another great adaptogen, especially for stress. But the Korean, the Chinese, American, they're all a little bit different. You're going to have fist fights from people telling you one's better than the other. And what it boils down to is I think one might be better for you than another. My favorite of them is called HRG80. HRG80 is a form of uh, Korean red Panax ginseng that comes in a capsule form that is really, really great stuff. I absolutely love it. And it's one of the few ginsengs that I've tried where just one or two capsules, I can feel a significant difference. Most ginseng in the past, I've had to use quite a bit to feel much difference. This particular one is concentrated enough that one or two capsules makes a difference for me. And I really like this stuff. Ginseng is, you, you generally want to look at it as a, a combination of a few different things. 
overall stamina, athletic stamina in particular, it's really, really great for that. Alertness mentally, as well as physical energy, absolutely. It also seems to help with libido and sexual performance in both men and women. And ginseng can also be used as, because it is an adaptogen, it does tend to help people feel more, while they're more energized, also still a little more calm, a little more balanced. So ginseng has a a wide range of different uses. One of the things that I love about ginseng and ashwagandha in particular versus, say, turmeric and boswellia, because I'll typically recommend if you're going to take turmeric or boswellia, take them for at least 30 days, even 60 days, really give them a shot to get in there and do their thing. But ashwagandha and ginseng, sorry, those two you can notice them the first day you try them. And that's one of the things I love about them. So if you're looking at them for the purposes of stress, you're looking at them for the purposes of energy or sexual performance or any of those types of things, you can see a significant benefit from ginseng right out of the gate. Really, really love that herb. How about a combo here? I I couldn't decide between these two. I guess if I had to choose, I'd choose ginger. But ginger and peppermint as a one-two punch for just about any kind of gut, ugh, nausea, cramping, bloating, general just not feeling very good after meals, but especially if you're dealing with things like, uh, like I say, nausea or cramping, those types of things, ginger is phenomenal for cramp or for uh, nausea. Peppermint seems to be because it's so anti-inflammatory to the gut, help with nausea, but also with more of the cramping and bloating and discomfort thing. And as a pair, they work really, really well. Now, you can get either one of them individually. You can do peppermint or ginger as a tea. That's one of the most readily available sources because it gets into the stomach and goes to work right away. And there are many teas on the market, herbal teas, that have ginger and peppermint in them. And I highly recommend them. They're very effective. Ginger is interesting too, though, because you can get it in a candy. You can get actual candied ginger, or you can get ginger in a chew that is a piece of candy that has that little ginger kick to it. One of my favorite candies, but I've got a dear friend who I didn't even know who the heck he was until about, I don't know, six, seven, eight months ago, something like that. And his name's Chad. And this guy is a problem for Vitality Nutrition because he comes in pretty regularly now and he buys up all my ginger chews. And then he shares them because he's a really kind and generous guy. And he gets a bag that has maybe 15 or 20 ginger chews and he passes them out to people. And then everybody else wants ginger chews because they all say, oh my gosh, these are delicious. And then I run out of ginger chews. And then people come and they get mad at me because I don't have ginger chews and it's all Chad's fault. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm placing blame. We probably shouldn't place blame any more than we should complain, but I think you get the point. The stuff's kind of addictive in a good way. You'll never actually get addicted to ginger, but it's a really great little treat. If you like that little spicy kick that ginger has, some people just don't like it. It's not for them. I love it. But when you're dealing with nausea, and that can be morning sickness, that can be Car sickness or motion sickness of any kind, ginger is phenomenal. Now, if you're going to try and get ginger from ginger ale, do it. But don't get your regular old run-of-the-mill ginger ale, Schweppes and Seagram's and stuff like that. They taste like ginger, but they have virtually no ginger in them. If you want real ginger ale, there is one that is sold at most grocery stores now, and it's called Reeds, R-E-E-D-S, and they have one called Extra And that sucker packs a punch and it's delicious if you like ginger. But anyway, 
Love ginger, love peppermint. There's a wide range of ways that you can use both of them, and they are fantastic for general just kind of dyspepsia and feelings of bleh in your stomach. Okay, let's jump to one called elderberry. Now, elderberry has been in the news a lot because of COVID. COVID being a virus, elderberry being naturally antiviral. It's gotten some buzz. And early on, early, early, early on, like way back a year ago in March and April, when this stuff was just starting to come out, nobody knew what the heck COVID was or if it was even in America, if it was going to come to America. And Fauci was saying this, and then he was saying that, and then he was saying another thing. And he's never said the same thing consistently for the the whole time. But one of the things that was coming back then or, or, or that was a, a common question back then was, would elderberry actually make COVID worse? And I didn't know the answer to it. I didn't intuitively think that it would. But I wasn't 100 percent sure because the key – or the, the concern that they've had with COVID is this inflammatory cascade, the cytokine storm that happens that can sometimes be, you know, mean that the end for someone with COVID. And elderberry actually can create a bit of a cytokine storm uh, in the body as a way to try and kill infection. Well, cooler heads have prevailed. There's been some research that's been done and some people have dug into this thing. And basically what they've said is that elderberry, especially in the early stages of any kind of viral event, whether it's just your common cold or it's the flu, especially the flu, because there's a ton of research on elderberry and the flu, or it's something like COVID is a really, really useful tool, really useful tool. There are some people that are still saying, for the people at the, you know, kind of in stages that are already very sick, that are having problems, that are potentially going to die from COVID, that elderberry would be a mistake. I don't know if that's true or not. I still intuitively don't think that's probably the case, but that's not going to happen anyway because these people are typically in hospital care and they're certainly not administrating or administering elderberry there. So I don't think it's a big concern. In the early stages, though, I will tell you, I've had so much amazing feedback over the years with elderberry for, like I say, cold and flu stuff. It is really great. And one of the things that I love about elderberry is it's another one that you can take a variety of different ways and it works really, really well. And you can do it in a syrup. You can actually make elderberry jam if you want, which is actually pretty common in England. You can uh, take it in a gummy. And I routinely have talked on Vitality Radio about how gummies are not so good because most of the gummies don't have enough in them to do anything. But in the case of elderberry, our most number one best-selling elderberry at Vitality Nutrition is a gummy that tastes a whole lot like candy. It's delicious. And it has a little zinc in there and it has a little echinacea in there. It's a really, really great gummy. And then we have a new one by a company called Life Seasons that I like even more because it's substantially more concentrated. I still think it tastes good, but it doesn't quite taste like candy like the other one, but it's loaded with elderberry goodness. They do what they call a 65 to one extract where they take 65 elderberries to get one one concentration of the extract, which means that a bottle of that elderberry, those elderberry gummies is loaded with elderberries. I think each gummy has like 50 elderberries in it or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's it's a high level. And that's a great way to get elderberry. Uh, elderberry, there's some question about how effective it is preventatively. 
I usually personally don't use elderberry on a daily basis. Some people do, and it certainly won't hurt you to do that. But uh, I recommend at the very first sign, the very first sign, the scratchy throat, the runny nose, when you don't know what it is, but you know something's going on and there's an immune thing and it is likely viral, then elderberry is a fantastic, uh, you know, first approach to take. All right. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to get to all 10 of these. (laughs) Not going to get all 10, but I'm getting pretty close. I'm going to have to decide if I want to do a little bonus episode or what to to wrap this up. But let me go ahead and wrap up with one that I know will take the rest of the time. And that is hemp. Hemp, H-E-M-P, also known as marijuana in uh, some circles. But of course, there are different forms of hemp and some of it is actually not the same. Well, most of it is not the same. There's a lot of different varieties, but the type of hemp that uh, I typically reference on Vitality Radio is what is called industrial hemp or food fiber hemp. This is the type of hemp that, well, we use for food or fiber to make things. And hemp has a fascinating history, a fascinating history. I'm going to go through a couple of the things because I could spend and maybe I will one day, an entire show talking about the history of hemp, and it might blow your mind, but I'll give you some highlights. Hemp cultivation dates back more than 10,000 years. They know that it was used in ancient China, Egypt, Russia, Greece, and Italy, and it was used as uh, partially for food and also for fiber. It was used, or sorry, it used to be illegal to not grow hemp in America, believe it or not. There was once a time in American history when farmers could actually be fined or jailed for not growing hemp because it was such a valuable crop in Virginia. The Assembly of Jamestown Colony passed legislation in 1619, making it mandatory for every farmer to grow Indian hemp seed. Is that nuts? Hemp is amazing, and they knew it 400 years ago. Hemp was hailed as a billion-dollar crop before the government banned it. In an article written in 1938, Popular Mechanics declared hemp as a new cash crop. It was touted as the standard fiber of the world that was easy to grow and poised to replace imported materials and manufactured products. Hemp actually restores unhealthy soil. Thanks to its botanical properties, hemp can actually leave soil better off than it when it started by rejuvenating the dirt with nutrients and nitrogen. This helps clean up toxins, heavy metals, and other pollutants from the ground through a process called phytoremediation. Now, hemp is interesting, too, in that way, because it also pulls a ton of toxins out of the air. It grabs them for us so that we don't grab them in our lungs. Hemp is a power power plant. Absolutely. But the biggest thing that people know about hemp are two of the compounds in it, THC and CBD. THC being the one that can make you high, has psychoactive properties, but also when used medicinally is phenomenal for pain, potentially for cancer, really, really great for anxiety and depression and insomnia and things like that. And I do, I can't sell THC. I'm not a a medical marijuana dispensary, but I do not ever try and dissuade anybody from trying it if they have any of those chronic conditions that they can't seem to get better with. THC has some really, really great properties. But CBD, which I do sell at Vitality Nutrition and is legal across the country without any kind of a medical card or whatever, does much of what THC does and in some cases does it better. And it's not psychoactive. You can't get high on it. And it works really, really well for all of those things that I just talked about. It plugs in directly to the 
endocannabinoid system, which is part of the human nervous system, sorry, the human central nervous system. And what's really great about CBD is that because it's really, really safe, because it's not psychoactive, because you don't need very much of it. A typical dose is somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 milligrams. You can use it on pets. You can use it on children. You can use it for you as an adult. It is non-addictive and you can use it as needed or you can use it daily. It is fat soluble. So it does tend to work better if you've been using it for a few days as opposed to just using it occasionally. But we absolutely have people that use it occasionally as well. It's another really powerful anti-inflammatory, much like turmeric or boswellia that I talked about at the top of the show, but it does it differently. And one of the things that I really, really, really like about CBD is because it plugs into the central nervous system itself, it has some really unique properties that other anti-inflammatories do not have. And it tends to work on the type of inflammation that is created through the stressors that our bodies come under. And so really, really fantastic stuff. It doesn't tend to have much in the way of contraindications with other medicines. So we routinely have seen people use it with their other meds uh, for depression, anxiety, insomnia, things like that as a means in many cases to get off of those meds. And of course, if you want to do that, you'd want to talk to your pharmacist or your doctor. But these are things that we witness on a regular basis at Vitality. The biggest key with CBD is knowing that you're getting a good one. That's the biggest challenge. The FDA and all their wisdom has chosen not to regulate hemp because it was made illegal, because Nixon was an idiot or something like that uh, back in the 60s and was scared of hippies. But regardless of what happened with it and what has happened with it politically, CBD is now legal and hemp is now legal in America through the farm bill that was passed back in 2019, I think it was, maybe even 2018 now. And with hemp, with CBD now being available and readily available, but not regulated by the FDA the way other herbs are, it's a little bit of a wild card because it's a huge, huge, huge business. There's billions of dollars of consumer dollars going into hemp and CBD. And it's important to understand that that has brought along some people that aren't very good at it in terms of extracting it and making it into a great high-quality product. So we've been very picky, very particular at Vitality about the type of CBD that we bring in. We only have a handful of brands, and there's a reason for that. And we're proud of that because we could bring in a 100 different things. We have chosen to bring in only the things that we absolutely have seen results with from brands that we trust, that we know exactly what's going into their product, that we actually are able to see assays. Two of the brands, we can actually look all the way back to the farm, to the seed that was planted that then eventually became that capsule or that liquid extract. And that is powerful. You know exactly what you're getting. And CBD, if you get the right kind and you use the right amount, is one of the most effective, consistently effective herbs I've ever, ever seen. So I'm a huge fan of hemp and all the other stuff that I just talked about. And yet, alas, I am out of time. Oh, this hour goes by so fast. I am so grateful to you for listening to Vitality Radio. It means the world to me to know that anybody is willing to sit and listen to me talk about the things that I am so passionate about and love so much. We have so much more available to you. If you ever want to dive deeper, call us at Vitality. 
in Bountiful, 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. If you have any questions about anything health-related that you want to talk about, we would love to help you out. And it doesn't matter where you are. If you're listening to this podcast in Bulgaria and you've got a phone, call us in Bountiful, Utah, and we'll figure out how to take care of you. But certainly here in America, it's a breeze. Happy to take care of you over the phone and through the mail at 801-292-6662. I've got to run. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.